Good day and welcome back to the Ford Taylor Talks podcast. I'm Pat Williams, your humble host, sitting here today with Mr. Ford Taylor. Ford, great to see you. Smiling, happy, uh, as always. Well, thank you, PW. It's always great to see you too. I got to tell you, uh, when we first talked about doing this, as you know, I wasn't so sure about it. I kind of got talked into it. Uh, but I'm just having a blast with you. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, it's fun. You're really so, good at this. Oh, thank, thank you. you. So we are, uh, you know, just to let folks know, uh, Ford, um, you are a author, speaker, coach, father, husband, friend, uh, just all these things. Uh, your 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 life's experiences, your stories have been impacting people for years, and what a great opportunity to expand your reach and and you put it so bluntly when we first decided to do this i just want to help people yeah i do want to help people and and it's interesting that as we get told this training the book whatever how helpful it is you know my, my response is aren't you glad i made all those mistakes <laughs> you know aren't you glad i messed up so much so you get the benefit of hopefully not having to make those same mistakes by using this so but it's been a lot of fun and and again, as long as we're getting the positive feedback and it's helping people, we'll keep doing this. Awesome. So we talk about relationships a lot in transformation leadership and the, the value uh, of relationships. And, you know, one of the relationship killers um, is anger. And not a lot of training really addresses anger. They say, don't be angry. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes it's... <laughs> Uh, easier said than done, right? Right. Well, you know, you, you can go to an anger management class, but, uh, you know, and we even talk about the difference in leadership and management. You know, we talk about lead the people, manage the processes, the systems, the policies, the procedures. And so you can either be a leader or a manager. And it's the same with anger. You can manage it or you can get over it. And very little out there on actually teaching and equipping people how to get over it. Uh, you know, when people ask me questions about how did you ever get your marriage back to where it is, uh, it, it's far better than even it was. You know, people ask me, um, how long have you been married? And I said, well, I've been happily married for, you know, about 35 years, <laughs> you know, the first nine and, and the last. But anyway, total of 39, not 29. And so, but but one of the things that when I messed up with my wife so much, it was I was able to stop the cheating much easier than I was able to undo what I had become. And, and so doing something is one thing. Becoming something is something else. And I had become a walking time bomb of anger. I had become passive aggressive. I, I had an unbelievable skill set that no matter what you said, I could turn it and make it your fault. And, and I realized later that this anger that welled up inside of me, a lot of it was being sexually, from being sexually abused by a female school teacher when I was in kindergarten. But I didn't know that. I mean, you wouldn't understand it. And other reasons, you know, so much insecurity. But this, this time bomb of anger. Now, most of us know what anger is, right? I mean, we can feel it. We know that feeling of anger. And, and so what happens is, uh, that feeling comes from how we think. And so, you know, we've talked about this before. We call it TFA, thoughts, feelings, and actions. And so when we have this thought, and, and anger comes through a thought, 
but it comes from three places. Uh, one of them is fear, one is frustration, and one is emotional pain. Now, you can also have physical pain, which may not start there with that thought, but those three, fear, frustration, and pain. And so when fear, frustration, and pain kick in, there our adrenaline system that sits right at the top of our kidney releases something called epinephrine or norepinephrine. And that feeling of anger comes from that release. Well, when that's released into our system, we go into one of two modes. One is we go into fight mode. That's assertive. That's aggressive. That's the anger that comes spewing out. The other one is we go into flight mode. And that's the one where we're angry and we just shut down. We don't talk. We might leave the room. We might sit there, but we hold everything in. And so you'll look at a lot of people who will say they're not angry. In reality, they're just holding it in. But once that releases into our system, you can almost rest assured you're either going to shut down or you're going to become highly assertive or aggressive. Ford, I want to really take two different roads here. Um, Family, the dynamic, specifically husband and wife. And then if we could transfer over and talk about anger in the workplace. But um, I use these tools um, all the time. And my wife and I, uh, Nancy, fancy Nancy, as we like to call her, we lead a small group of couples. And I remember um, after the second week meeting with these folks, I saw some things in a couple that we've known for 30 years. And they had anger. And just how they were responding to each other, I remember telling Nancy, I go, next week we're going to go into TL. and We're literally going to teach anger what it is, how to deal with it. And I got to tell you, it was, it was the most impactful um, small group meeting that we've ever had because of the breakthrough that that couple experienced. And it was the realization that when the epinephrine fires, what was happening in their relationship, as you, as you so eloquent, eloquently teach, when the epinephrine fires, you're going to say and do stupid things. And you want to talk about a light bulb physically or, or in the spiritual, two light bulbs going off over two adults' heads mm-hmm. was amazing. Yeah. And again, so much of that fear, frustration, or pain comes from us drawing a line in the sand that it's really the need to be right. But we won't go into that right now, so we'll stay focused on the anger. But yeah, when people, you know, this is what we talk about love, right? I love you more than I care about how you feel about me. And you did that for that group. You love them enough to make it that couple clear that this is a problem for you. And so by doing that, you then were able to give them the tool to overcome that. And PW, you've heard me say uh, when people ask me to, to talk about Sandra, I mean, the only way I can describe Sandra, my wife, is that she is an angel in a woman's suit. I have no other way to describe it. And so she lived with an angry man. Uh, you know, I played sports all the way till I was 33 years old. Uh, you know, not professionally, but at a, at a high level. And uh, it would be recreational, but it was, you know, they're broken down in the leagues and we played at the highest league. And I not only played, but I also coached. And she shares stories about how she would sit in the stands with her face in her hands because she was so embarrassed at the way I would yell at referees and umpires. I mean, with the vulgarity. 
and telling them that they didn't have the guts. I didn't use the word guts, but they didn't have the guts to throw me out of the game because they knew I was right. And if they didn't know I was right, I mean yelling at them, there's, you would throw me out of this game. At minimum, you'd give me a technical. I mean, just anger. Uh, you know, I, I coached elementary school basketball. And, and I told people, I'm pretty sure that the referees knew me as the Bobby Knight of elementary school basketball. I never yelled at the kids. You won't find a kid that I've coached for 20 years say I ever yelled at them, but you'll find a lot of referees and umpires up until that time. And, and as I was going through this change, uh, I, 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 I talked to pastors. I talked to, I, I mean, I took medication, psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors, and I couldn't find anybody to help me. They could tell me how to manage my anger, but they couldn't tell me how to get over it. And so I put this tool together myself. And then after I, I did this, and I started down this path, and I'm going to share what it is in just a minute. But I remember all the times I had to do the six-step apology with Sandra. State the offense. Say I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Or when you can, will you forgive me? Will you hold me accountable? I'll give you permission to hold me accountable, not to behave this way anymore. Is there anything else? And so I made the decision to fix the anger. Anger came up. I did the apology. Honey, I've been this way a long time. I'm not going to stay this way. I think she would tell you I didn't even yell at her. My body language yelled at her. My facial expressions yelled at her. My passive aggressive made it feel like it was her fault. So I had my way of my anger coming out. I saved the, the, the yelling for policemen when they'd pull me over or for uh, uh, referees and umpires. Okay? And, then, and I started realizing there's got to be a way to fix this. So step number one is to realize when the epinephrine's going off. And when it's going off, when you feel angry, step number one, do nothing. The epinephrine will run its course. Why do we do nothing? Because when epinephrine or norepinephrine, when they're running in our body, it impacts the rational part of our brain. And, and, and when they use the term pea brain, when people says pea brain, they mean it because the, ra- the rash, I'm sorry, the real. <laughs> Speaking of pea brain. Yeah. So see here it is. My, my, my pea brain just, my, my pea brain just went off. Okay. The rational part of your brain. I've been saying relational so long, it's hard <laughs> not to say it. The rational part of your brain actually gets constricted by this epinephrine. And you say and do things that you look back later and say, I can't believe I say or did that. So until you get to a place where the epinephrine's not going off, do nothing. Now, there's also an appropriate time for anger. Like, there's things that make me angry. Racism angers me. Poverty. You know, not taking care of the homeless, not taking care of widows and orphans. I mean, those things make me angry. Well, The key is, I don't want to be speaking in public on those issues while I'm angry. I want to speak on them while I'm not angry. But there is an appropriate anger about that. If if I see a a, a car going down the street too fast and there's a child in the street, I want to get angry. I want the epinephrine to kick in. Why? I'm louder. I'm faster. And so there is a a good place for anger. The question is, how do you be angry and not mess up? Well, number one, if it kicks in and it's inappropriate, don't do anything. Uh, Number two, use it when it's appropriate. Well, number three, let's get over it. Let's figure out how to stop it. And so the tool I tell people to do is think of a thing 
Think of an event that causes anger to overwhelm you and write it down. Whatever that is, lazy child, underperforming employee, a, a road rage, whatever it is, write down what it is that causes you to get angry. And then try to take a moment and ask yourself, what am I thinking when that happens? Now, that's step number two. You don't have to do step number two for this tool to work. But if you can think of what is it you're thinking, it will help. But what is it that I was thinking when that happened that caused me to get angry? Let's just talk about road rage for a minute. I don't think anybody had much more road rage than I did. That's a real, that's a real issue. That's a big one. Uh, you know, we have a story that, that Sandra and I tell that, that happened back, and we don't remember if we were engaged or newly married. It's been that long ago, but we were in this big parking lot of a big store, and we were leaving. And, and back then, as we've talked about on an earlier podcast, a lot of pride and arrogance. You know, I, I tell people back then I was pretty much the center of the universe, and I was so much the center that for graduation of college, I bought myself a brand new car. And it wasn't just any car. It was the Ford Mustang Indianapolis 500 pace car. And we were pulling out of this parking lot, and it was down in College Station, Texas, near Texas A&M. And, and as we were pulling out, another car went around me uh, in the parking lot to get to the exit. Well, it was a big one, so I just raced around them because I got the Ford Mustang pace car, and I beat them to the exit. But on the way by, I waved at them with both hands with one finger backwards. And I took a ride out of the parking lot, and I, we went down to the next red light, and as we're uh, sitting at the red light, I looked in the rearview mirror, and coming up both sides of the car were two guys with pocket with knives. Well, you know, we're in Texas. That's not a problem, right? You don't bring a knife to a gunfight. And, and so I reached under the seat because I carried a loaded gun in the car back then. And when I reached under the seat to grab the gun, Sandra reached over, and she took my arm, and she said no. And I let the gun go, and I ran the red light, ran like a chicken, and got out of there. Now I want you to think about the things that you said in your life. What was I thinking when I said or did that? So think about what was I thinking to care enough about who got out of the parking lot first? Okay, you can't cut me off. In other words, I made it all about me. But what was that thought that would lead me to a place that if Sandra hadn't been in the car, I possibly could have shot somebody? And I, and I think back at that time, you know, 20, early 20s, and I think if Sandra hadn't been in that car, is it possible that today I might be doing transformational leadership in the Texas penitentiary system? So think about that anger, okay? So now think about what's causing that thought, whatever it is. If you can't think about it, if you can't get that one, don't worry. But step number three is it's required. What is the new thought? What can the new thought be the next time that event takes place that you wrote down? So for me and my road rage, because I had a lot of it, it, I started thinking if someone cut me off, what if they're in a hurry? What if this, this is their last time to get to work on time or lose their job? What if there's a hurt child in the backseat of that car? And when I started thinking that way, all of a sudden the road rage started going away. So what I want you to do is write down an event that makes you angry. If you can think of what is the thought, write it down. If you can't, don't worry, but write down what is the new thought. And I want you to start thinking and practicing that new thought. Imagine whatever it is that makes you angry. Angry child. 
instead of getting angry over the child being lazy, think, hey, I'm the parent. My job is to train and equip my children not to be lazy so they don't get fired in their job. And keep your calm. You're the parent. They're not. You are. And and so be thinking, what can the new thought be that keeps the anger from kicking in? And what happens is if the epinephrine doesn't kick in, the brain stays large. So imagine yourself in a room and you're working with 10 people and the other nine get angry. And I'm in a lot of rooms like that. And everybody's angry but you. Who's the smartest person in the room? No matter what the intellect is and the other nine people, you just became the smartest in the room. You're thinking of solutions while they're being part of the problem. If you and your spouse are fighting, and you're angry and they're not, I got news for you. They're smarter than you. If you're angry at your children and you look at them and you say, you made me so angry, what you're saying is I give you control to your children on how how I think, how I feel, and how I behave, so I let you control me. That's just not logical. That is not a big brain speaking. So write down what it is that caused you anger. Try to write down what the old thought was. Write down the new thought. Practice the new thought. The next time that event takes place, when you don't get angry, I'll probably get some kind of Facebook message saying thanks for whatever you did with my husband. I want to unpack a couple. I want to di- I want to dive a little deeper. Uh, when you say when the epinephrine fires do nothing, is it also true to say, really say nothing, do nothing is a broad statement, but really the words that we spew when we're angry are hard to take back sometimes. Yeah, uh, PW, that's right. When I say do nothing, I mean literally across the board. Don't say anything. Uh, don't do anything. Do nothing. Uh, recently, in the last few months, uh, I've not had that rage, that anger feeling in a lot of years. And recently, my wife and daughter were on the couch having a conversation, and I was in a recliner facing the other direction, listening to the conversation. And I was shaking my head side to side, thinking they couldn't see me. Well, my beautiful wife, she says, honey, are you okay? And I said, I am. And she said, why are you shaking your head? And uh, Sanders got superpowers. She's just awesome. <laughs> I mean, I'm, you, I'm the most blessed man on earth. Anyway, so I stood up and, and I said, okay, guys, I said, I'm, I'm listening to y'all talk. And right now, I am so angry, I can't see straight. I said, my rage, I said, I said, honey, I've not had this feeling. It might be 20 years. But right now, I think it's best if I go in the other room. And I did. You know, and that, that was how I approached it. Now, years ago... I would have been slashing, burning, passive-aggressive, making them feel stupid for that conversation. Uh, but I went in the other room. And when the epinephrine ran its course, that feeling of anger, that feeling of rage went down. I went back in there, and I said, uh, okay, I'm ready to engage. And later, Sandra came to me and said, could you tell me what was going on? And I said, would you really like to know? Because if not, I'm okay. She said, I really want to know. And we'd been married almost 39 years, and that led to one of the top three or four conversations we've ever had in our marriage. And I told her, I said, you know, I'm, I'm glad that happened because it reminded me of what that feels like. It's been so long, I'd forgotten. 
almost probably to the point of arrogance. I mean, honestly, that, that I'm proud of this not getting angry. Um, but it was good that it happened. It reminded me I don't want to go back there. And it reminded me that when it happens, do nothing. Just explain it, walk out, let it run the course, then come back and deal with it. Or you uh, talked about when anger occurs, it really, when the epinephrine fires, it closes off the rational part of your brain. It blocks the rational part of the brain. Um, I've heard people say they don't remember saying things while being angry. Do you think that's an excuse, or is that actually real? No, it, it's true. I mean, some it could be an excuse, but that's not for us to judge, right? right? And you know, we, we teach a tool, which we'll talk about later, on how to deal with angry people, how to deal with an angry customer. Uh, you know, I've, I've told my employees forever, uh, you bring me an angry customer, an unhappy customer, and I will show you how to make them a customer for life. Well, in this process, one of the things could be that when you ask them a question, they will say, I didn't say that. Well, you can't get angry at them for saying they didn't say that because they might not remember said it, and they said it in the last three minutes. That is very possible. And so when that, when that brain gets that small, they truly may not remember saying something. Now, I went through my manual before we started um, this this podcast today, Ford, and several times in my manual I've written, and you obviously said it, um, there's always one thing about someone that we know nothing about. And it's so relevant in different sections of the transformational leadership training, but I think especially here, you know, to respond angrily or if someone's angry and try to come over top of them, it's really been helpful to me personally to remind myself of that. You know, man, I wonder what they're doing. There's something going on with them that I know nothing about. And there's a certain grace that I'm able to give them through that anger by not responding, even though I could be right. Yeah, PW, you're right on. And that, that quote's from Oswald Chambers, and, and, and I love it. Because if someone's angry with me, if my first thought is you have no right to treat me this way, you have no right to talk to me this way, what's going to happen? Their epinephrine's already going. Now mine's going to go. And then it's going to be boom, boom, boom. Nothing's going to get accomplished. But if my first thought is there's always one more thing in that person's life I know nothing about, they could be giving me unbelievably good feedback that I need to hear. They just aren't presenting it well, but I might be able to hear it if my brain's big. And I stay calm, even while they're anger. Let their anger run its course. Now you can have a good conversation. And as you know, we, we, we talk about this thing in our brain called the hippocampus, all that things that's happened to us in the past. So lots of times people's anger is coming out because we just did something, and it may not have been wrong. Or it, your anger may be coming out because somebody else did something, and they really did nothing wrong. But there's a part of our brain that stores that, that's stored in memory of things that's happened in our past. And, and we may have just seen something that, that pushed that button. And that person really didn't do anything wrong, but our brain immediately went angry based on what happened and the outcome that came from that in the past, and that's called the hippocampus. And so another thing I think also is there's always one more thing in that other person's hippocampus that I know nothing about. And when I'm thinking that way, I'm making it about them. And what is love? I care more about you then I care about how you feel about me. I'm going to make you more important. And when you're thinking that way, your epinephrine stays down, your brain stays big, you become the smart one in the conversation. 
So as we wrap toward anger, uh, and we really started this episode with, man, it's a relationship destroyer. I mean, anger destroys relationships. Um, so we've talked about it. We've discussed it. Um, if, if, if our listeners, if they're dealing with anger, uh, can really change the way they think when the anger fires up, which will then change the way they feel, their behavior will be different. But really understanding the chemical part of anger can really be helpful to folks. And, uh, you know, uh, on the FordTaylorTalks.com website, um, blogs, testimonies, videos, um, lots of great information. And I'm sure anger is going to be well, uh, well covered uh, in those subjects. Right, and P.W., one more thing on this thing. When you write down that new thought, put it. if you have a smartphone, which a lot of people do now, put that in your smartphone. Have it pop up three or four times a day. Be sure you practice that thought. Don't just write it down and forget it. Practice it. Put it on your steering wheel on a Post-it note. Put it up where you brush your teeth. Every time you open your desk drawer, let that thought come out. Big, bold letters. Practice that thought. Because when that becomes your thought, instead of the old thought, I'm telling you, that epinephrine won't kick in. Ford, it's been a great episode talking about anger. Uh, but let's not confuse anger with lit. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, let's get lit. I mean, why wouldn't we, right? Let's lit up the world. And what does that mean? Let's love. I care more about you than I care about how you feel about me. In other words, I'm going to put you before myself. Let's influence in all the different areas we can influence, because leadership truly is about influence. And in that place, let's transform. Let's transform ourselves with the influence we have ourselves, and let's be able to use that to have an impact on others. Because when we do that, we're leaders that can make leaders, that can make leaders, that can make leaders, that can impact individuals, organizations, cities, and even nations. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ford Taylor Talks. For more information and resources to help you love, influence, and transform, please visit FordTaylorTalks.com.